Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be doing an Emily Henry update discussing her 2023 release, Happy Place. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hi, Remy. Hey, Kat. What's going on? Oh, not too much. Not too much. I mentioned on last week's episode that not things were not going great for me. <laughs> um, but I'm feeling really, really good today. Um, this week was not nearly as grueling as the past couple of weeks. And I feel like I mm. rolled with the punches a little bit better. And part of my mood today is that I got to go to my favorite local independent bookstore and add to my ever-growing to-be-read shelf. So I bought three new books today. What'd you get? I got. I've got them right next to me so that I could show you their oh, covers. Amazing. The covers are fantastic. So I'm going to go through them in my level of excitement for each of them. So, okay, starting with the most or the least? The least exciting, I think. Okay. So, all of these are signed copies as well. So, I, Ooh. like, really went all out. Look I just happened you. to find three signed copies that I, of books that I was really excited about. So, I'm very excited to read Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. This is what wow. the cover looks like. I am not going to lie. I mostly bought it because it is my favorite shade of yellow. And I love the cover. I just think it's wonderful. Um, This is not really my genre, but I'm trying to get into more just like contemporary fiction. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just like books about people doing things, living their lives. And I find tend to find them a little more boring and like slow and hard to get into. But I'm trying to improve that aspect of myself. Cool. Maybe I'll read that and finally learn what the fuck a supper club is. I have no Still idea. Still a mystery what it is. to me. <laughs> it's also set in the Midwest, which you know. I, I know love. that's the only place I've ever heard of people oh. talking about a supper club. Oh, yeah. interesting. That's a Midwest thing. Yeah. Okay, got it. Wish they would have told me what it was while I was there. <laughs> I still don't know. I yeah, I still don't know. But yeah, you should read it. The next book in my haul is uh-huh. called The Seaplane on Final Approach. This mm-hmm. is what it looks like. Wow. The, what do you call the quotes on the front of a book? Pull quotes? That is what I've called it in the past. Don't know if that's right. I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to call it a pull quote. But the pull quote on the front was sexy and dark and strange and absolutely perfect. And this was written by Rebecca. Ooh, I don't know how to say this last name. Rukisi? And it was on the shelf where they shelve writers who have done the Iowa Writers Workshop. Oh, nice. So this wasn't a book that she wrote for the Iowa Writers Workshop, but she has um, completed it. She's an alum. Yes. So I read, like, the inside flap, and it was just captivating. It's like a... All of these people come... it, It makes me think of, like, White Lotus... But mm-hmm. in Alaska, in the Alaskan mm-hmm. wilderness. So I think it'll oh, be really fun. And I've heard that it's like very sexy and uh, tense. And like, I don't know. It just seems really, really interesting and different. So those sexy, sexy seaplanes. Yeah. Can't wait. What was it called again? That it's was a long title. The Seaplane on Final Approach. Got it. Um, and Rachel Yoder also has a pull quote. Nice. It says, Erotic possibility and inevitable ruin animate the Alaskan wilderness in this astounding debut. Original and adventurous, horny and hilarious. It's everything I want from a book. And That I sounds like, really fun. I feel like this is just going to be a really fun read, so I'm super excited about it. Shout out Rachel Yoder. Yeah. Did you hear they're making Night Bitch into a movie, by the way? No, I didn't. That yeah, sounds that's, great. 
Yeah, I keep sending you movie news, and I'm like, I'm sending Kat too it. much movie news. No. <laughs> Give me all the movie news, because you're the only place I get it from. I'm never on Twitter. And then the final book that I bought, which I am the most excited to read, is called Users by Colin Winnette. And this is what the cover looks like. Interesting. This is... I really like the inner flaps, um, like, last paragraph, uh, which I think sums up, like, why it's interesting really well. In a world rife with the unchecked power and ambition of tech companies, users investigates with both humor and creeping dread how interpersonal experiences and private decisions influence hasty developments that have the power to permanently alter the landscape of human experience. Wow. And I think it'll just be really good. Is that fiction or nonfiction? All of these are fiction. Yeah. Mm. There's a pull quote from Jeff Vandermeer on here. Mm. A surreal puzzle box and page turner from which the reader may never recover. Full of unique absurdity, dark humor, and character insight that make Colin Winnett's work such a joy. So I'm really excited about all of these. And I think they'll be really fun summer reads, too. Like, I think all of them feel like good summer vibes. That's such a good feeling, getting new books from the bookstore. Yeah. I was telling Scott, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, when I'm writing my thesis and I feel like in a funk, you know what you should do? And he was like, what should I do? And I was like, take me to a bookstore and let me (laughs) buy a book because that'll immediately cheer me up. And he was like, huh, that is a good tip. I know. I love constantly encouraging you to leave work and go to the bookstore. <laughs> I did that today. I left I work know. early, played hooky. And I know. I, I feel like you learned it from me. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. The only thing that could have made it better is if you were here and we could have gone. No. Oh, remember when we would go for tiki drinks after? Yeah, definitely. Was I was really like, fun. did you get a marg immediately after? Oh, I wish. I came home and made made a sweet tea with gin and brandy. So close enough. Yeah. And hung out in your backyard. Hung out in my backyard with the chipmunks. I really wanted a backyard today, just like every other day, but especially today because the weather was nice. We're heading into a holiday weekend. It's the perfect time to just have a beer in your backyard. And I was like, hmm, wish I had that. Yeah. Last weekend kind of went off the rails and I did not get to go see Master Gardener, which I was (sighs) devastated about. Yeah. But I did buy a ticket to go see it on Monday, and I'm taking oh, Monday nice. off to have a holiday slash mental health day. Oh, right. So that'll yeah, be yeah. really nice. It is a holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited. I'm seeing Master Gardener on Monday, and then I will be seeing Bottle Rocket on Tuesday for Very the cool. local theaters doing a Wes Anderson-like class where they show a bunch of different Wes Anderson films and I'm very excited about it. So yeah, I'm super jealous. That's like, what a resource <laughs> they offer. I'm I know convinced that is the best independent cinema in the entire world. Mm-hmm. I miss that place so much. They have this like, what's it called? Wes Anderson for beginners or something like that. I think it's like Wes Anderson for young people or something. For young people. Yeah. Young People's Guide to Wes Anderson, I think, is yes, what it's called. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. And it's you, so good. I can't wait. You buy like a pass, mm-hmm. and so then you get tickets to four of his films that they're screening. Yes. And after each screening, um, I forget the name of the person who's doing it, but a person gives kind of like a lecture afterwards. That's He's so a cool. University professor. I looked him up, yeah. Yeah. I just don't remember his name. Yeah. And what? Even what a if, resource. Even if that wasn't a part of it, four films for $25. That's yeah. like a great deal because each that's ticket is like huge 11 deal. or $12 there. So like, yeah, that's two free movies. Which is already a deal. I know. I'm thrilled. It's so exciting. And it'll be every two, every Tuesday for a month. And I'm just so excited because I do a really long day on Tuesdays usually. And that'll be a really good motivator Mm -hmm. to get out of work on time on Tuesdays. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then that'll get you, lead you right up to Asteroid City. I know. Yeah. I think that's the point. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I know. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm, I'm just excited. saying that's just another thing that makes it exciting. Yeah. Very fun. I heard a lot of good buzz about Asteroid City coming out of cons. So nice. That's fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Wes Anderson film? Yes, I do. What is it? Do you want to guess? Or do you want me to tell you? I don't know enough. I don't think I could guess. My favorite is Rushmore. I've never seen Rushmore. It's great. It's the one right after Bottle Rocket. Ah, uh, um, yes. When I was talking to my coworker about it, he was like, mm-hmm. ah, they should be showing Rushmore. Like, they're not showing yeah. Rushmore. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Yeah. So they're not showing that one, but maybe we can watch that one when we're in Maine for a movie night. That would be great. Yeah. Cool. Love that one. Well, they said I couldn't do it. They said I couldn't watch three movies in one (laughs) weekend at three different theaters, which you know what? I did it. (laughs) I pulled off the movie Did the movie police? Did the movie police come for you? They tried. They couldn't catch me. (laughs) (laughs) I absconded into the night. They couldn't do anything about it. Oh, that sounds like a joy of a weekend. I know. I fucking did it. Were they all as good as you expected? They, almost none of them were as I expected. So if you guys don't remember, last weekend I planned to see RMN Sanctuary and Master Gardener all in one weekend, and I did exactly that. Um, (laughs) My favorite one, actually, was RMN. Oh, really? It was... Very well done. It was thematically, textually, and subtextually rich. Oh. It had some really impressive shots. There's like a long, a long shot of a town hall meeting Mm -hmm. that's all in one take that includes uh, like a million different people speaking. That's amazing. And the ending was incredible in a way that very few movies leave me feeling Mm -hmm. like surprised Mm. and wowed. And I had almost the exact same feeling as when I watched the end of Enemy, the Denis Villeneuve film, which if you've seen Enemy, you know how fucking weird the ending is. And I had a very similar feeling at the end of RMN, but in a good way. And I thought about it for a long time waiting for the subway and riding the subway home <laughs> and, and for several days after. So if you have the opportunity to see RMN, go for it. It's really something. Yeah, it was only at our theater for a week and it's already <sighs> gone. So oh no. I'll watch it when it's available for general consumption. Yeah, hopefully that'll be soon. Yeah. I know, I have no one to talk to about it. I don't know anyone else in person who has seen it. So uh, I was just like, oh, I want to tell you someone all these things <laughs> I'm thinking about it, but there's no one to tell. Oh, no. Maybe after you see it, we can yeah. discuss. Um, oh, and in other movie news, the trailer for Barbie came out this week. Uh-huh. And I feel like now I have a much firmer grasp on what that movie is going to just entail mm-hmm. structurally, tonally. <laughs> idea wise mm-hmm. not that i should have ever doubted greta gerwig because i know she's a fantastic director with really good sensibilities and fantastic taste but from all the like existing promotional stills i was like i don't know what this movie is gonna be what's it gonna be like what kind of ideas is it gonna have mm-hmm. and the trailer dropped and it looks like um like a a mashup of all kinds of different concepts mm-hmm. like the matrix and don't worry darling and a lot oh. of people are comparing it to the animated part of Bo is afraid and oh. it's looking way more interesting than i imagined which is exciting and so yeah i'm getting much more hyped for barbie now yeah. which is going to come out the same day as oppenheimer so i mean Ooh. i smell a double feature <laughs> and you also sent me some exciting news about Project Hail Mary, which I'm oh, yeah. excited about. They announced that they are making that into a film, and Ryan Gosling is set to star. I think he'll do well. I really liked him in um, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, and um, he was in First Man also. So oh, yeah. He knows space. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see the cast list when it Me eventually too. comes out. <laughs> 
What a fantastic novel. You guys should jump on that if you like science fiction, if you liked The Martian. It's a novel by Andy Weir, and it is fantastic. It's one of the best books I've read in the last five years, for sure. Me too. One of the best books I've read ever. I think for a while it was at the top of my list. So Same. Yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, uh, I think it's a real crowd pleaser for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I recommended it to my in-laws and they both read it and loved it. Like we had such mm-hmm. a wonderful discussion and I think they'll be really excited for it to turn into a movie as well. Yeah. I was talking to Will the other day about all the books he's read since he started reading again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's been your favorite one so far? And he said, Project Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I love Andy Weir's writing style. He just He's like, great. His writing it balances scientific concepts and readability so well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like, if you're not a scientist, you don't need any scientific background to understand these books. Like, or any of his books, I guess. Um, so definitely check it out. Get prepared. I think they said in 2024, it would probably generally be released. So, um, yeah, hop on that train now and get hyped. Yeah, it should be a good time, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Should we jump into today's topic? I think so. Okay, very nice. So today we're going to be going through... Emily Henry's new novel that came out in May, late April, late April. We recently discussed Emily Henry novels in April on episode 42. And so if you're interested in hearing about some of her other books, you should go check that out. And Happy Place is definitely, I feel very strongly about it. I really liked this novel and I listened to the audiobook version of it with Scott, and he really liked it as well, so that was nice. I always like to share things that I'm excited about with him, so that was a really good opportunity to get him into a new genre. Happy Place focuses on our two main characters, Harriet and Wynne, and Harriet and Wynne met in college when they were both going to Mattingly, and They kind of formed a friendship through mutual friends and then eventually got into a relationship with one another. And when we begin the book, we are seeing them eight years later, and they have since broken up and live in separate states. And they also haven't told their closest friends that they have broken up. And we meet them as they are kind of all gathering for their annual trip to a cabin in Maine on the coast of Maine, which they do every year um, because their friend Sabrina owns, her family owns this mansion-y cabin because they're rich. And so they go there every (laughs) summer. And basically, during this week-long trip, they decide to not tell their friends until after the trip is over. It's like one last hurrah at this cabin before it gets sold. And so they don't want to ruin this trip for their friends, and they decide to pretend to continue their relationship. And we also know from the first chapter that they are engaged uh, or their friends believe them to be engaged. Right, because they were engaged up until relatively recently at the time of the story. So it's feasible that their long-distance friends wouldn't yet have learned that the engagement was broken off. This book is kind of the trope of two people who were in love and grew apart falling back in love um, because of some forced proximity type of thing. And yeah, just pretending to be in a relationship kind of um, makes them confront what went wrong in their relationship initially, and they have a new opportunity to try to deal with this one-on-one because they haven't seen each other since the breakup. Right. Um, I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was great, and 
covered a lot of um, really relatable topics for both of us, I think. Definitely. And I kind of wrote out my new rankings, and I was having a hard time figuring out where this book ranked for me, but I was reading through some parts of it today, and after that, I think I've decided that this is number one for me now, and Mm -hmm. it's very closely followed by book lovers, and then Beach Read, and then People We Meet on Vacation. Yeah, I wanted to ask your rankings because yeah. we just discussed this back in episode 42 when we talked about our respective favorites in mm-hmm. the lead up to the release of Happy Place because I repped Beatree mm-hmm. as my favorite and at the time Book Lovers was your favorite. Mm-hmm. And I know we almost never have the same favorites <laughs> of anything. So I was super curious what your rankings would look like Mm -hmm. after this book because we're doing this update even though it's like not a technical update yeah technically who's checking (laughs) um the podcast police are gonna come for us (laughs) try and get me and um I know you read it before me, yes. and then you very graciously let me use your audio, <laughs> your Audible subscription, to listen to it, because I got kicked out of the public library again. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> um, but I knew you really, really liked it, and yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to shake up the top spot in Kat's rankings. Yeah, and I would say that this is probably, like, the number one and number two are probably going to change based on my recency bias because the next time I read Book Lovers, I'm going to be like, this is art. Like, this is the best thing (laughs) I've ever read. And then the next time I read Happy Place, it's going to be the same thing. So, Mm -hmm. but I've already listened through Happy Place. Okay, I did once and then I did another half because I was... Like, Scott was listening, but Scott was listening slowly, so then I, like, went back to the middle where he was, and I listened through to the end again, and then I listened through it one more time fully, and then today Mm -hmm. I read through just, like, skimming for my favorite quotes in a a hard uh, copy of the book. Mm -hmm. So I've read this book technically close to three times fully. Yeah, in, like, the span of a month. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just wonderful. Like, I love it. I think that Julia Whelan's voice work on this particular novel is so good. Um, Cleo's voice in particular is very, very good. Love that. Love Wynn's accent. His, like, Montana (laughs) accent is so cute. I'm here for it. She's always good, though, to be fair. I know she is, but I think that this is her best work, in my opinion, of the things I've listened to. But how did you feel about this book? I really liked it. I agree. It is almost like scarily (laughs) relatable Mm -hmm. for you and I, particularly for me, particularly timing wise. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we should have nailed down how much of the plot we want to spoil. That's true. Uh, Because a lot of the relatable elements, I guess you could say, are spoilers, even though, even if you knew them, I don't think it would ruin the book for you yeah why don't i'll tiptoe around it for now and then we can have a heavy spoiler section closer to the end so just suffice to say that in terms of career trajectory i found the main character harriet extremely relatable Mm -hmm. and i'm going through a lot of um similar arcs to her in like the present day like down to the minute And it's just another example of how Emily Henry really understands people our age. Yes. And she is one of the best writers I've seen capture a -hmm. lot of the really big existential questions that people our age have to deal with. And it just feels really good knowing that (laughs) someone else understands this and is coming to the same conclusions. And I feel very, um, what's the word? Validated? Validated, yeah. I guess that's what I mean. Like, really validated by um, the characters that Emily Henry writes. And uh, it's just nice, nice to feel understood and not alone. Yeah, and I think the way that other characters interact with 
the career trajectory plot line is Mm -hmm. very validating as well. Because I think Harriet is hearing a lot of things that a lot of us want to hear when we are going through kind of career crises. And I, I really liked how she wrote all of the other characters' interactions with that topic. Yeah, but yeah, I guess in terms of rankings, I hesitate to rank it so quickly mm-hmm. after I read it. But if I had to, I would put it probably fourth out okay. of the four that Fair. are like this like yeah. grouping of books. Mm-hmm. I know Emily Henry had um, other books before, but among the four that we just discussed, I would put it fourth just because... I think it has like a specific drawback that sort of detracted from the main romantic plot for me. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I felt a little bit detached from it emotionally, even though the non-romantic plot was extremely relatable. So it still was very successful in the like non-romantic aspects of character development, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think that one of the reasons I rated this book so highly was because I saw so much of myself in Harriet. And (laughs) I really love book lovers, but Nora is like a completely different character from like my experience. And I would say that I definitely don't relate to Nora. I mean, I relate to her people-pleasing aspect of her, but I would say that Harriet people-pleases to a degree that I can very easily relate to. I know. That was one of the first things you texted me when you started reading <laughs> yeah. Happy Place, that you like really heavily related to Harriet, the main character. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I can't wait <laughs> to read through this and like make a whole list about similarities between Kat and Harriet. So I'm dying to hear your list. Oh, I'm dying to hear your list, though. Well, I have at least a small handful. That's fair. (laughs) Um, So I think that one thing that stuck out to me about Harriet is that she's really empathetic. So a lot of this book, we are seeing her interact with this group of friends who kind of feels like they're growing apart from one another and she's kind of trying to ease tension throughout the group and she like clocks tension immediately and tries to navigate those situations so that everybody's happy. And so I feel like that was really relatable for me. She also kind of talks about loneliness a lot and feeling lonely, but also realizing that a lot of her loneliness is driven, is like self-driven because she like very desperately doesn't want to need people. Like she doesn't want to put an additional burden on people. So she like ends up pushing people away for that reason. And especially when we think about like her career trajectory and her general dissatisfaction with her job, we also get to see her interact with a group of people who she like feels at home with in Montana with Wynn's family. And I think one of the main reasons she feels so at home there is because they love her without expectation and mm-hmm. they use this phrase like groundbreakingly special. And she is considered, like, groundbreakingly special, not because she's a doctor and not because she has, like, an impressive CV. Like, she is special because they love her and they want her to be a part of their family. And so I really liked that chapter especially. That's one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. Yeah, I can't remember. Did we already say that Harriet is a surgical resident? Oh, I don't think I did. Since we're going to discuss her career so heavily, it's important to understand that she's doing her residency in uh, neurosurgery at a hospital in San Francisco at the time of the events of the book. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I really like when we think about her coming to terms with her dissatisfaction with her career, like she just feels very lost. And like she has done all of these things because she thought she needed to or because she wanted to make people proud. 
and like the one place that she feels truly cared for is just with people who don't really put that expectation on her of like high achieving success Mm -hmm. but she also has this like sunk cost mentality of like i've put so much time into this and so much money into this and i can't back out now because i have just spent the last 15 years of my life or decade of my life working towards this and she feels all this pressure like from her parents or mentors or educators or all of these people that if she feels like she would be letting down if she didn't you know meet their expectations in this career yeah and it's really interesting to me because i can totally see a path for myself where I have even more similarities to Harriet, but I was raised by my mom who just like has always had the mentality of like, you do what makes you happy. I am not going to like push you one direction or the other. You always make your own decisions. And so I really, I feel like that's what Wynn's family is. Like, my mom, like, aligns more with, like, that mentality. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that it was just, like, really wonderful to see those contrasts between the parents. And her parents, Mm -hmm. like, definitely love her and care for her. But it's just they have different expectations. And I'm a person who, like, really (laughs) rejects the expectations of others. Like, the moment... I feel like somebody starts expecting something of me. I like get kind of defensive and I'm like, ah, (laughs) I feel like, um, luckily my parents were the same way in that they never pressured me to do any one thing. And if anything, they were like, fuck that path (laughs) to do something that makes you happier. So, uh, also got really lucky in that respect too. Yeah. My last like note on this is that Harriet is very conflict averse and she's Mm -hmm. like so scared of any conflict that she will like just put all of her feelings into a little box and then just like never deal with them. (laughs) So like she like gives everybody else comfort at the expense of herself. But that's another reason that she like ends up pushing people away because she's too afraid to be vulnerable with them. And she also thinks that she's going to lose those people if she does participate in a conflict or like a fight right. or something. And I wrote in my notes for today's episode, this book vocalized so many things I feel very deeply and I will be reading the above to my therapist. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I think that Harriet discovers a lot about herself in this book. And I also felt like it was an avenue for me to discover a lot about myself through this book like I've just never seen myself so well represented in a character before and it's just like really meaningful to me that I have this like representation of my inner thoughts to like oh yeah it like Mm -hmm. was such a exploration of my own psyche (laughs) (laughs) this is like that time this is like when I watched the first season of true detective for the first time and saw rust cole and I was like oh my god it's me (laughs) Oh, boy. I was like, there I am. <laughs> Love that feeling. <laughs> That's so funny. My number one similarity didn't wasn't on that list that you just read. <laughs> for me? My, for you, num- and, for oh, you no. and Harriet. Oh, no. My number one similarity was using cleaning and organization to cope with extreme stress. <laughs> You're so right. I didn't even think about that. Oh, man. Yikes. which is a good list yeah add it Um, to the list it's not like it's a bad thing but i I definitely thought that was gonna be on the list (laughs) yeah no i didn't even think of that one good point did you have a character that you related to in this book you know i've (laughs) the person i related to most was win oh really (laughs) is that weird no but i wish i had kept a more active tally about yeah There was just Um, one interaction where I was like, something Cleo said made me think of you, (laughs) um, where they were talking about boundaries and how Harriet doesn't have boundaries and will, like, attend her dental receptionist's 
like baby shower or whatever and Cleo was like yeah I've missed so many baby showers just simply because I didn't want to go and I was like I love this (laughs) yeah it totally made me think of Remy yeah um Um, you will not catch me at a baby shower (laughs) (laughs) but yeah interesting yeah I don't know it was I love um, wins so yeah, I mean, it wasn't 100%, yeah. but a lot of the things he said, I was like, oh, yeah, I, f- I really get that. Like when he hated living in San Francisco <laughs> and just wanted to go home and restore furniture. Yeah. And that's like my secret dream is that to is go back home and restore dream. furniture. Oh, my God, I forgot we had like, that oh, conversation. No. And he just like likes being outside in the woods and the yeah. streams and fishing. And I was like, I want to be doing that too. Aww. And he just like his rules for fighting. I really liked. That's uh, my I, favorite. I love that scene. I found that extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is, these are good rules for fighting. Yeah. These are things I believe in truly. And I loved his relationship with his family. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure there's, like, a couple more things that I clocked and forgot to, like, note at the time. But there are definitely just several instances where I was like, yeah, I feel like this this guy understands. I feel like he's also just, like, a very perceptive person and observant and just makes me think of you. Like, you're mm-hmm. just, like, very aware of people around you and you clock things. <laughs> I do love to, love to observe. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed Wynn's character as well. I thought he was well-written and just so cute. I thought he was so fun <laughs> to, like, read his interactions. Can I do a quick just discussion of the one thing that I thought, like, detracted from the book? Just yes. to, like, get it mm-hmm. out there so then we can go and do positives for the rest of yeah, the discussion. for sure. I just, in a general sense, I found that this book kind of broke one of the central tenets of Emily Henry that I previously enjoyed Mm -hmm. in a lot of her works, wherein people had frank discussions when you would want to have them in a timely manner. Yes. (laughs) So as to avoid (laughs) long-lasting confusion. Yes. (laughs) And that didn't happen in this, and I understand that in order for the plot to proceed in the way that it does, there had to be, like, delaying important conversations. But I did find that a little frustrating and a little hard to suspend my disbelief that people couldn't, like, get out that critical information yeah. sooner. Like the coffee table book. Like, we didn't sure, need to yes. make the coffee table book a four-conversation issue. But, exactly. Like, I totally get what you're saying. That was another, that was one of Scott's main complaints mm-hmm. while we were reading. He was like, I don't understand why we're, like, kind of drawing this out in the way we are. Yes. Um, yeah. But- and I feel like Emily Henry routinely avoids that pitfall. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just, like, the one thing that kind of just made me feel a little mixed about the romantic component of the book but Mm -hmm. uh the great thing about emily henry's writing is that the romance is not the The only story yeah Yeah. it's not the only thing i kind of to me it's the b plot of this book and harriet Mm -hmm. and her work is the a plot i think that's my own bias because that's what you're going through because it's exactly what i'm going through but it's they're like equally weighted in terms of Harriet's development. So yeah. yeah. It's not a reason to not read the book or to not enjoy the book. It just kind of stood out to me in terms of um not the usual fare from Emily Henry. Yeah. Okay. So other than that, we can get into heavier spoilers if you want. Yeah, I just had a short list of like my favorite moments that I just wanted to briefly chat about. Cool. I already mentioned like going to Montana for the first time. That's chapter 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that chapter. It's where you meet Wynn's parents, Hank and Gloria, who are just like absolute gems. They're yeah. perfection and love them. Uh, literally perfect. I love them so much. I also loved the ferris wheel scene where they go to the carnival and they are blazed out of their minds oh right Um, (laughs) 
I was convinced there was going to be a reveal that they were actually rolling. I was like, this is not just gummies. Like, this has to be something else. I thought that was so fun. <laughs> um, I love Wynn in that scene. He's got so many good, like, one-liners. I love when he says, like, these are not my mom's gummies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. I love when he's talking to her about when they go to the Maritime Museum and she watches this documentary for like 30 minutes about building boats and he immediately texts his dad, Hank, and asks what it would take for them to get the supplies for her to build a boat. Like, he like desperately wants her to achieve her dreams and like live the best life she can. And I think that really revealed a lot about like his feelings about her career and in that like he just wants her to be happy and has no expectation of her if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was really sweet i love the engagement scene where uh they're getting like chinese takeout and she makes tea and she's like setting down the cups and he grabs her hand and just like says marry me and he doesn't have the ring and then he's like wait (laughs) fuck I don't have my ring and like he like runs around to go get the ring and I just thought that was like so sweet and like I love that he was like I just couldn't like keep waiting to ask you and I thought that was lovely Mm -hmm. and then i really liked learning to fight because that scene was like the perfect mix of like wholesome but sexy and angry and like conflict resolution was happening i was like Mm -hmm. there for every single second of it i thought it was so good but also just valuable advice (laughs) valuable advice from hank our mvp yeah um and then I thought that this book also had the best epilogue of uh, any of Emily Henry's books. Or It's not formally titled an epilogue, but like there's a couple chapters at the end where we're like resolving Harriet's plotline and like just having all of everything resolved and like see her living this lovely, happy life. Mm-hmm. And in the epilogue, there is a discussion of or like Harriet's kind of muse having these musings upon losing people that you love and I it like altered the way that I think about losing loved ones and it kind of changed the light that I see it in because the idea of losing someone you love is like a very very scary and like all-consuming fear for me it like Mm. is something that I've always been scared of like I have core memories of being six years old and crying because I like realized that people wouldn't live forever and Mm -hmm. like having to deal with that so that's been like a deep core fear in my life and like you've seen that play out a few times where I've been like I think this person's dead because I haven't heard from them oh yeah and like I've had to talk you down from that (laughs) but like it's like a deep-seated fear in my heart that I'm like going to lose people that I like desperately love and I'm gonna try not to cry while I read this quote but I really like this quote there's this scene where Gloria Wynn's mom is reminiscing on time spent with Hank who has passed. And she says that this maple syrup tastes like camping. And she reminisces about how they used to go camping all the time when they were young and broke. And um, she like starts crying, but also laughing at like this happy memory that she shared with him. And the quote is, I understood then the immense honor it is to hurt like she does. To have loved someone so much that the taste of maple syrup can make you laugh and cry at the same time. And I know if nothing else, I'll have that. And I just really, I'd never really thought of it that way of like how lucky people are to love someone so much that like you can't think of doing an activity without also having that memory be brought up and I just it it altered the way I think about it and it to me highlights 
the fact that we need to be happy with the time that we have and not fearful and resentful of the moments that we don't get to have. And I think that that just like was really eye-opening for me. And I love when a book can do that or when a piece of content Mm -hmm. can like just change the way that I think about something. I just thought that the fact that Emily Henry could do that in just one single quote was really impressive and it just really resonated with me. Yeah, that's really powerful. The Hank, all the Hank stuff got me. (laughs) I love Hank. I cried so much for Hank. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable that all of these four books all touch on grief and even specifically the loss of a parent. Yeah. And they all do so with uh, different approaches Mm -hmm. and different types of post-processing in a way. (laughs) And... I know some people don't like that sort of heavier tinge mm-hmm. to a romance, but I think it adds a lot of important depth because like, I mean, look at you, like this is like really, these are really meaningful insights. Yeah. And just because it's in women's fiction doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah. <laughs> this is the real stuff, man. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Emily Henry is the only person out here telling the truth sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Emily Henry, for giving me that tidbit of wisdom that I needed. That was really valuable to me. So, yeah. So I feel like in many ways, I really fully resonated with specific lines Mm -hmm. from this book as well, where I was like listening to it on my headphones and had to stop and be like, wow. How is this, like, so relatable, but also still insightful at the same time? Mm -hmm. It's like, Emily Henry is saying something that I know deep inside me, Mm -hmm. but never had the words to articulate it. Yeah. But as soon as she says it, I know that I also hold that same thing to be true. Yeah. (laughs) And it's such a relief (laughs) to see it on the page and or hear Julia say it. And I felt that way a lot in one of, like, Harriet's... Harriet kind of has a big monologue at the Mm -hmm. airport where she tells Wynne that she wants to quit her horrible fucking job Yeah, and outlines all of the reasons why. And for me, that was like the... If I had the physical copy, I'd be like, underline, underline, underline. (laughs) (laughs) Because she said so many things that resonated so heavily with me. Basically... The three big ones that the three big sentiments, I don't have the quotes here. Um, the first sentiment is basically that she knows she wants to quit her job because it makes her miserable and it's suffocating and it just makes her deeply unhappy. And she doesn't know exactly what she wants to do next, but she knows she just wants to find a job that she hates just a bit less. And To me, I really liked that because it doesn't sugarcoat the process of changing your career path to make it seem like you need to find your dream job in -hmm. order to make the change. Like any incremental improvement is an improvement Mm -hmm. and dream jobs don't fucking exist to begin with. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's something that I have been trying to remind myself because... I'm changing jobs right now and I'm finally getting out of (laughs) the job that's been making me miserable for a long time. And I don't know if my next job is going to be amazing or good or even pretty okay, but it's extremely important to me to try something different. And I'm optimistic that it will be, you know, several steps uh, better for me. Yes. And, It doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be a dream job. It just has to be something different and something better and Mm -hmm. an opportunity to try. And so I'm very excited for that. (laughs) That was like the first sentiment that stood out to me in Harriet's big speech. The next one was that she was talking about some of the reasons why she really wants to leave her residency. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons was that she wants to have 
the energy to try new things and do new things outside of work. Mm -hmm. Because even when she's not working, even if she's not physically at the hospital, she feels so exhausted that her downtime is still worthless to her because the fatigue and the misery that her job creates extends into those off hours and kind of poisons them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Can I bring up one more thing that I found extremely relatable about Harriet that you saying that just reminded me? Mm -hmm. She only has the energy to, like, go back to old murder she wrote um, episodes over and over and over again and just, like, leaves them on in the background. And that's absolutely – I mean, it's not murder she wrote for me, but, like, she loves to feel cozy. And that's, like, her one – respite from her Mm -hmm. like horrible job is that she gets to go home and like watch murder she wrote and just like rewatch the same episodes all the time and cat loves a rewatch and (laughs) cat loves a cozy mystery oh i also just started rewatching new girl again so i'm on my yearly new girl rewatch right now so yes another put it on the list another (laughs) similarity um but basically it's a sentiment that Like, even if you can somehow form a boundary hours-wise with a job, when it makes you that miserable and it's that kind of just, like, Mm soul-crushing, it it poisons all of your downtime. And I feel that very deeply. That was very true of my previous job. And ever since I got this job offer and accepted it for the new job, I felt so much better. (laughs) I started working on my book again and like it was just like suddenly I had all this energy in my downtime Mm -hmm. to like have positive feelings and optimism which is not my brand and I don't know it's just completely changed my outlook and my energy in every way like I'm feeling much more grateful for things and like I have all these exciting things coming up that I can look forward to and not feel guilty about. And it like gave me the energy to be creative again. And it's just to have that cloud lifted is huge. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I love it. I'm living vicariously through you right now. <laughs> I'll be out uh, soon. <laughs> yes, that, absolutely. And um, the final sentiment that she shares is that she wants to leave that job, which is the type of job where you're continuously continuously working toward an endpoint that keeps moving. Like the goalpost is always moving. You always have mm-hmm. to keep leveling up and leveling up and taking on more responsibility and more of a burden and it never gets easier and you never actually finish every anything like you Mm -hmm. have nothing to show for your work because it's just a continuous conveyor belt of Mm -hmm. endless things that never cease and the conveyor belt just goes faster and faster and she says she doesn't want to live that life anymore because she doesn't want to keep seeking an, a future point that never arrives. She wants to enjoy life while it's happening. Yes. And it sounds really simple, <laughs> but it is n- like the exact opposite of how I've been living my life for years and years now. Mm-hmm. It's I've always been like, well, I'll bear this now so that I can do this other thing in the future. Yeah. And I've been pushing off being happy for so long in order to achieve a thing that I don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just overcoming that and disregarding the sunk cost fallacy and if just being brave enough to try something new yeah. has all been worth it just to have the opportunity to try to actually fucking enjoy my life while it's happening. Like, I'm in my 30s. Who knows how long the future will last? <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta go to three movies in a weekend right now. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta write my book right now. I want to fucking actually feel enjoyment right now and not constantly live for the future all the time and like treat myself like shit in the moment because it'll be better for my future career. Like, fuck that. I just wanna have an actual life 
in the present where I can see in front of me things that I've accomplished and things that mm-hmm. I enjoy yeah. that are tangible. And that's why Harriet loves pottery. That's why it's a perfect fucking metaphor. <laughs> yeah, she likes to play in the mud. It's great. I love mud. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love that she has a complete shift in career. I love that she's not using her degree at all. I yeah. fucking love that for her. Hell yeah. I validate that. I stand it. I think that's amazing. And I think that we are too young at 18 to know what the fuck we want to do for the rest of our lives. Like, yeah. I think committing yourself to a career right when you start college sucks. I think that mentality is a way to set people up for failure and a way to set people up to hate their lives and just like ultimately tie their self-worth to their career. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fucked up. And I think we should be allowed to not use our degree because oh yeah, like, yes, there's this sunk cost fallacy. And yes, would it be nice if I finished up my PhD and got to do something relevant to what I've spent the last many, many years doing? Like, yeah, that'd be nice. But And I like the conversation that Wynne has with Harriet in the pottery studio where she's confessing that, like, she doesn't like her job. And he's like, well, what happened? Like, why don't you? And she was like, it's like, it's a culmination of many, many things. It's the way I feel. It's not Mm -hmm. anything concrete. And I can't, like, point my finger at one thing and say, like, I don't want to do it anymore because of this. And I loved that description Um, Yeah, it's so true. And everything he says there is, like, so validating. And he basically says, like, you don't need to tie your self-worth to your career. And, like, you can do something that makes you happy, even if it's pottery. And you feel like that's silly because you spent all this time getting a degree. And I think he was the perfect supporter in that moment. And Mm -hmm. that's basically the sentiment that all of her friends give her. Um, yeah, because they're good they friends. They her and they love her and they just want her to be happy. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I, I love, love when that. they do the thing from Ghost. <laughs> yeah. I love that she found a thing that makes her happy, being pottery. And I love that I just found it extremely relatable that she began to gravitate towards a, a tangible art form where you can see your progress and you can see... Uh-huh. A completed projects mm-hmm. right there in front of you. Yeah. Because that is something you and I basically never get to achieve. And that's why it can be so satisfying cleaning a room, mopping a floor. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that I did and it's finished and I can look at it. Mm-hmm. I never have that in my work because things never fucking end. Mm-hmm. And that's why I make spreadsheets. Because I'm like, at least I can tangibly see the timeline. Like, I can tangibly see all the steps that I need to do. Yeah. So, I was also extremely pleased that Harriet went in, like, the pottery direction. Because you you don't owe anyone anything. Don't use that fucking degree if it makes you miserable. Who the fuck cares? Do what makes you happy. Emily Henry says, do what makes you happy. Emily Henry told me to quit my job. I'm just saying. Ellie Henry's enabling me. And, yeah, I'm just so pleased for Harriet. Yeah. <laughs> and She's if living her best life. Yeah, fuck yeah. And if you feel like you're trapped in that sort of prison, specifically the prison of academia, I have a Twitter account that I want to recommend who shares many similar sentiments to all of these topics that we're discussing right now. It's very worthwhile to give a follow to at life after my PhD on Twitter. That account understands exactly what we're saying. And they do a really good job of calling out a lot of the toxic thinking that you are indoctrinated with when you're trapped inside of academia. And it just kind of gives you a foothold for climbing out of that sort of mentality and identifying that toxicity and identifying those thought patterns that can keep you trapped and Mm -hmm. exploited. And I highly recommend them at Life After My PhD on Twitter. 
And that um, will be I, in the show notes. Yeah, I just recently found them, but they remind me a lot of the stuff my therapist used to say to me when I was in my PhD program and she was trying to get me to, you know, have a lot of these realizations. <laughs> so shout out to her. She did a great job. I finally made it out. <laughs> she would be so pleased. I should send oh, her a thank you note. You should. That'd be lovely. I'm sure she'd really appreciate that. Yeah, I think she'll be psyched. Yeah. Yeah, and your happiness is valid. Like, your happiness is more important fucking titles and shit. Yeah, and my family is so excited because they know they'll get to see me more now. And I got the job offers while I was at the wedding weekend, and everyone was losing their minds. It was great. (laughs) I was like, I'm so excited. Ugh. So exciting. And I'm working on my book again. That's so big. That's huge. And I like feel energized about it. I'm so proud. Huge for me. That's wonderful. This is so good. This is so good for my my own mentality. (laughs) I'm like I dug the tunnel. You can use it anytime you want. (laughs) I don't know. I might just edit podcasts. Hey, if you're looking for podcast editing services, I'm not currently taking too many clients but would love to explore that possibility in the future i do a pretty good job i have a year of experience now so where should they contact you at uh just email us at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and but yeah i love editing podcasts like i think that if i got paid to do what i spend a lot of my time doing anyway which is listening to podcasts and enjoying them i would really love that. Yeah. So that could be my pottery. Also, immediately after reading Happy Place, I did Google if we had a pottery studio near us. Mm-hmm. And there is one. It's like I walk past it at least three times a week. It's right by my house. And so I'm going to go no do way. pottery with my mom the next time she's that's, out. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited. It's like very similar to that, like a very similar concept to that um pottery studio that they go to in Maine where mm-hmm. you make the stuff and then they fire it and ship it to you whenever you need it or you can come yeah. pick it up so that's nice that's awesome mm-hmm. pottery's great yeah i'd say my most prized possessions are pottery oh yeah yeah my dad made pottery oh i love a good pottery my mom has this um pie dish that she made and it is beautiful. It is like half glazed. She she basically made this pie dish and then half of it's like a clear glaze. So you can see mm-hmm. the natural color of the clay. And then the other half's like this deep blue. And I think it's the most beautiful pie dish I've ever seen. That's wonderful. Oh, I just want to move back to the woods and have some sort of textile hobby. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to do crocheting more. I've been working on the same shawl for (laughs) since 2020. I started it as a COVID project. And then Mm -hmm. every time it gets cold, I like pull it back out. So now I'm trying to work through all of my yarn before I move and trying to like finish projects that were in progress (laughs) and stuff. Amazing. So I'm working on a shawl in May. So it's kind of odd, but... It's been fun. I've been liking it. So do things you love. Try to carve out time where you can because it'll make you feel better. Play some Stardew Valley. Yeah, I can tell that I hit rock bottom recently because I also started a new Stardew (laughs) playthrough. So I was like, wow, my life is not going well. Yeah. All of Uh, the red flags are just waving in the wind right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to have... A life where I happen to work sometimes, you know? Yeah. Or where work is like the least interesting thing about your day and you don't think about it when you go back home. Or yeah. or you think about it because you actually like what you did. That's the yeah. dream. But Yeah. I think the first tweet I ever saw from Life After My PhD was something that amounted to basically the sentiment that I'm trying to build a dream life, not a dream job. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why the fuck do we invest so much in what our fucking job is when it's just all made up bullshit, no matter what it is? 
Mm. Why can't I just focus on having a good life instead? Why was I so focused on my job this whole time when I could have been focused on making my life better? Because that's the more important part. Yeah. But look at us. We got our pod. We got got our our hobbies. Yeah. We got our families. Yeah, you've got got good stuff going on. Yeah, we're building. We're building a life, cat. Yeah. You can't stop us. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.